Last week seems to be the focal point, the foundation of what this thing is all about. John 21, Jesus is having a discussion with Simon Peter after the resurrection. And he said these three things. He said, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? He used the word agapeo. It means that, do you love me, agapeo, more than you love the opinions of your buddies or religion? And Peter responded, I'm fond of you. I ask you, do you love God? And honestly, you would say this, I'm fond of him. I just can't figure him out. I understand. So he said, feed my lambs, bosco my arneons. And we went through all this last week. And he said, do you love me, Simon Peter, with agapeo? And he said, Lord, I, I, I like you. Then he said, pour me my probatons. Feed my mature sheep. And then the last thing he said, Peter, do you even like me? Do you even like me? And then Peter responded with an honest heart. And he said, Lord, deep down, you know I love you. I love you, but I just can't figure you out. And the Lord said, I understand. Just feed my sheep. If I love him this morning, and I do, <clears throat> I do, then I'm required to do two things. Number one, I'm required to locate his sheep. And number two, I'm required to feed his sheep. So don't get off on this, all this works and service and, 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 and community service. It's a great thing. If you love Jesus, you will feed his sheep. And whether they may be lambs, they may be old geezers, like I'm not going to mention. <laughs> and sheep is a word for problems. It means a mixture of gender, shapes, styles, and mental faculties. Because remember, in in the trilogy of Luke 15, that one got away and he found IT. Sapeo in the Greek, it means it was a deaf, mute animal. He could not cry out. And that's why the Lord went and got him. So the, the idea of sheep don't, is the idea of their, we're all different. Turn to somebody and say, you are different. Tell them. So here's two important questions, and I said this for an hour and seven minutes last Sunday sermon, and I'm sorry about that, but not today. If I love Jesus, and I do, then I am to feed his sheep. So rule number one, or question number one, there's two important questions. Number one, who are his sheep? And if you say, whoever goes to church, don't say that in front of me. So we found this out last week. Who are his sheep? If I'm supposed to feed his sheep, it would help if I would know who they are. Anybody here beside me love Jesus? Amen. You're supposed to feed his sheep. We're going to get to you what you're supposed to feed them now, but here, we're going to find them. So we found this last week in John 10, verse 25 through 27. So who are his sheep that I'm supposed to feed? Listen to what he says. This is Jesus. Jesus answered the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said, and I told you, but you didn't believe not. I, I, I spoke to you, but you didn't get it. I gave you instructions, but you would not obey me. And the works that I do in my Father's name that you bear witness to me, you saw me do it. You've heard me speak. You saw the miracles. And Jesus said, I told you, and you believe not. Verse 26, but you believe not because you are not mine. 
If you're visiting here today, we have way past kindergarten here. Well, I have. I'm on to maturity. I'm on to the full picture here. We're not stuck in monosyllables like dad, dad, and mama. We are painting the grand picture of what this thing is all about. And if you'll stay with me, I'll help you clear the cobwebs out of your mind. Oh, baby. He said, the reason why you don't believe and the reason why you don't obey is because you are not mine. And boy, that's stung. We're not talking about plumbers, prostitutes, and, and policemen. We're talking about, I mean, religious people that are, have all the wardrobes and the garb on and carrying Bibles around. And he said, you're not mine. The reason why you don't obey because you're not mine. Boy, that hurt. So he knew, but I don't know. So, and because I don't know, then I have a responsibility to feed everybody that comes along. That's my job. And if I don't feed everybody that comes along, then, then I become a disobedient servant and then I get my britches pulled down and he gives me a big old whacking. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, whether you're saved or not, I'm going to give you the full dose of the word of God. So people come to church, they go, oh, that's just too much preaching. Well, you don't belong here then. Because I'm so boring, this is all I do. I preach the scriptures. So, so when I find the sheep, then the question is, what do I feed them? So we know for a fact that he says, going to verse 27, my sheep, they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He said, my sheep, this is simple. My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Very simple. The reason why, he said the scripture before, the reason why you don't obey me, why? Because you don't belong to me. You're dressed up in an outfit. You, you look religious because you are religious, but you're not mine. And the way I know you're not mine is because you don't hear me and you don't obey. Sheep know the voice of Jesus and they follow him. That's it. So, now then. What did Jesus, so if, if I've locate his sheep, then what am I supposed to feed them? All right? So this is where we begin this morning. So I, I'm always watching you. I'm, I, and I'm, I'm watching you see how you act and respond. I really am. I don't say much, but sometimes I do. But, but I watch you, and I watch you as you follow him. And as you begin to follow him, then I will start depositing things into your life. But I'll assure you, somebody that's out there doing dumb things and simple things, I don't treat them with the same sincerity of the word of God as I'll give to you. So I can give them community service and helps, but I don't deposit the word of God like I will do his sheep. So if I find his sheep, and somebody turns to somebody and say, you are his sheep, then what am I supposed to feed you? And the question is, what did Jesus feed his sheep? Simple. So here's a story found in Luke chapter 24. We'll read two verses and then we'll give you, we'll explain it. This is about the road to Emmaus. This is right after, this is day one of the resurrection. Now, if you're not aware of this, on day one, the women at the garden, which is the cemetery, found him. That afternoon, he went to the road to Emmaus. That evening, he went to the upper room and found 10 disciples. Thomas was not there. Day eight, he goes back 
and finds Thomas and the other 10. So he's already appeared to the Marys in the sepulcher. And now then, these two disciples, if you don't know this, he uses the word Cleopas, but that is his aunt and uncle. That is his mother, sister, and brother-in-law. They were followers of Jesus. They lived in Emmaus, five miles southwest of Jerusalem. So here is, here is the, here is, here, here it is. Luke 24, 25 through 27. And so I'm going to set the narrative for you. They're walking back from Jerusalem, and the Bible says that they're dragging their heels and they're discussing everything that happened, which represented his crucifixion. And they said to themselves that we truly hope that it was him. We thought it was him. We saw the miracles that he did. We heard him speak unimaginable things. Only God knew these things. And, we, and the word hoped is, is, is a Greek word. It means we, we pushed all of our chips in on him. And it's a roulette table, if you will, and we put it on 21 black and it turned up 15 red and we lost everything. And now then they're making their way home bankrupt, bankrupt in their mind, bankrupt in their spirit, bankrupt in their hope and their future because everything that they hoped for, they killed him on a cross. So now then, three days have happened and so, so they're walking home None of you would ever drive home discouraged after being in church service. I know you don't. I know that doesn't happen at all. But they're walking home back to Emmaus. It's about a five-mile walk. And all of a sudden, Jesus, which they don't know who he is, comes behind them. And he said, good day. That's not what he said. I mean, you know, howdy, good evening, shalom, whatever. And they... And they said, you mind if I walk with you? And they said, no, that's fine. He said, why are you so down in your countenance? And they looked at him and said, are, 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 are you the village idiot? Do you not know what's going on? It's happening. He goes, what things? And they said, evidently, you're a stranger. And, and it's Jesus, but they don't know it's him. And, and he said, what things? And they said, and, and they begin to tell him that the Messiah and Jesus sent by God and so on and so forth. And, and we hope that it was him. And, 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 but it wasn't. They crucified him. They hung him on a cross and they stuck him in the tomb and we hadn't seen him since. This is his aunt and uncle. And so now then we pick it up. And they don't know it's him. But he's listening to them. Well, aren't you glad Jesus doesn't hit you on top of the head whenever you say dumb things? That's why some of you wear a hat, cover up the big old knots on our head. And so finally he said this. Then he said to them, oh, fools and slow of heart. See the word slow of heart? I'm going to get to that. To believe all that the prophets have spoken. And this is what he says. Ought not Christ have suffered these things and to enter to his glory? And now then they're looking at him. Verse 27, and at the beginning of Moses and all the prophets that he, Jesus, expounded. Now, I'll tell you what expounded means. It means to drive in, to take apart, to put it together. He expounded unto them all the scripture, the things concerning himself. Expounded is a word. It means I'm going to take the time to make sure little by little it all gets pounded into your thick head. That's what I do up here. You know why I preach long? Because you're hard-headed. 
it takes me a while. Expound it. I don't mean just getting up there and saying a few words and reading a poem and going home. I'm not that guy. I want to take the thing apart and expound it. That way it's clear to you. So what did he do? He could have said, ah, idiots. He didn't. He said, you that are so foolish, it means unlearned, unskilled, and slow of heart to understand above all the prophets have said concerning the Messiah. And what did he do? He began to start with Moses and he worked his way all the way up through John the Baptist and everything that was prophesied about him from his lineage, the tribe of Judah, where he would be born and all these things. He gave them the full double scoop chocolate sundae. Go to verse 32, son, I'm sorry. And they said to one another after he got through preaching for a while, now keep in mind, they had five miles for a sermon. I would love to have a conversation with somebody about the Lord if I had five miles with you. Really. A lot of times when I'm working, somebody will come see me. I say, you don't have to follow me. I'll talk to you, but you're going to have to follow me because I'm not quitting working, but I'll talk to you. And I go to these houses that I work on. Really, you all go to these houses I work on. People come by and ask questions, and I'll say, come here. And we have to go to the back part where I'm hanging sheetrock, and I'll write sermons all over the sheetrock. Really? Some of you are, have experienced that. And, and somebody else will come over and say, what about this? I said, well, come back to the men's bathroom. I'll, 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 I'll let you figure this out. And I'll just start writing Bible sermons on the notes. And it's really fun. You know, electricians or plumbers or somebody come in, and they'll look at all the scriptures on the wall. And I said, well, this is what I do. I explain biblical principles. At the moment, I just happened to be in the carpenter business, but I explained biblical principles. He was explaining everything to these guys. And when he got through, and after he went and broke bread with them, their eyes was open. This was said. They said to one another, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us, by the way, and while he opened up the scriptures? Did our heart not burn? The idea of the word burn is the Greek says the word burn, it means this that when he spoke, Jeremiah said, my word is like a fire. When he speaks and when he spoke the scriptures, he didn't say anything like, oh, it'll be all right. He didn't say that. He spoke the scriptures. And when he began to speak the scriptures or feed them the scriptures, what happened? The word burn means that it consumed everything in their heart that was clogging up the flow of Christ in their life. Doubt, discouragement, defeat. See, the, John 15 and verse 3 said, you are now clean through my word. The word clean is a word called kathros, where we get a word for catheter. You've heard me say this, but he said, you are now clean through my word. My word is a catheter. I don't want a show of hands, but I'll tell you, if anybody has ever had a catheter, it's not a pleasant moment. It stings like the devil. But he's telling you, your own body, you don't have to have somebody to mug you and knife you and, and stick you with a knife to kill you. You can destroy and, and kill yourself if you don't have the ability to remove 
urine from your body. If you don't have the ability to release toxins from your body, you will destroy yourself from inside out. With your kidneys shut down and your organs start shutting down, the first thing they'll do is tell you that, that we have to insert a catheter in you and it's going to sting and it's going to hurt. But if we don't do this, you will kill yourself. So the, the temporary stinging is well worth longer life. When you come in here, I'll say some things and it's probably going to sting a little bit. All right, let's be truthful. It's going to hurt. Somebody said, well, I'll come to church. Will you preach long? I said, yeah. Will it hurt? Yes, it's going to hurt. But the word of God is a catheter. And at the moment, when, well, just in the moment right now, I don't know how you got here, and I'm glad you're here, but some of you might have barely got here. But your heart is slow. He said this, why is your heart so slow? It's a medical term means your veins and your arteries are clogged up. You've allowed things that has happened in the last two or three days that you don't understand to clog up the flow of the life of God in your life. And I'm here to insert a catheter and the scriptures and in five miles and 500 verses I'm going to give you. By the time I get through with you, your veins are going to be wide open, flowing with the life of God. The scriptures that he gave, he fed his sheep scriptures. Some of you are so coagulated because of guilt and shame and hate and unforgiveness, you barely got here. But I mean, you're, I mean we, we've got to have a defibrillator ready at any moment for you. We should be having the full life of God. And I would come in here and say, what's wrong with you people? How come you're not excited about God? How come you're not excited about Jesus? Well, you don't know what I've experienced. You don't know what I've been through. Maybe I don't, but I'll tell you, we know one thing, that Christ has forgiven everything that's happened to us. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And what we need is a good old catheter, a scripture to get in there and rotor root all of our spiritual veins open and free. And how does he do that? Through the scriptures. Does it hurt? Yeah. Does it burn? Absolutely. And I've had more witches than you can imagine come in there and, and, and ask me questions about relationships. And I'll say, here's the deal. Why would you submit to your husband? Well, I'm leaving. We'll leave. If it's biblical, why should I be afraid to say it? So go find you a witch of indoor and get somebody to tell you what you want, but it's not going to help you. I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm your doctor this morning. And I'm here to insert a catheter of the word of God in you to help you clean the arteries so you won't be so slow of heart to believe. Preachers like me, you say this, you believe Jesus is coming. <sighs> oh, believe it. Do you believe he can heal your body? Oh, I guess. Do you believe he loves you? I don't know. See? You've got all these coagulants in you clogging your arteries up. And is the word of God good answers? And I'll always give you a correct answer. My job as Jesus with these 
He gave them scripture. He expounded scripture. And I've always said this to you. When you sat here or you asked me a question and I'm giving you an answer and I feel like you're not getting it, I'll stay a little longer with you. We'll stay till after the bell rings. And matter of fact, we'll stay till, we'll stay till you get it. So I always encourage you during service, act like you get it and I'll keep going. Say, I'll let you out of here early. You are forgiven. You're loved. Your life has meaning. You are not what has happened to you. You might have made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. You might have failed, but you are not a failure. You are the righteousness of God. And God saw you from the foundations of the earth. He calls you way before you come out of your mother's womb to be called the righteousness of God. You are not here by accident. You are here by assignment. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. The apostle Paul said we were in him before the earth was even created. It just took this space and time to get us to this point. That's why we've always known him. That's why I've always knew who he was. That's, all, that's why I've always felt like I've had him in my life. Before I knew it, while I was smoking marijuana in those little New Testament onion leaf pages that you could get at school, I was getting the word in me, but it was the wrong way to get the word. But somehow I always knew him because, not because of what my father told me or what my mother told me. It was because his hand was always on me, even though I was not walking in relationship with him. But he was always with me. And if you don't believe that, come see me and I'll hook you up to the big machine and we'll root out all your arteries. <laughs> and then you'll go, yes, he knows my name. Yes, it was never my decision. It was all him that called me. Amen. And who am I that a king would call me? And we live as, as sons and daughters of God. So what did he do? That, that he fed them scriptures. So my job this morning is that everything that is encasing your heart and filling your heart, when the word of God is being preached, the word of God should burn up everything. And the only thing that is left is the purity of Christ and his word. Hmm. So number two, here we go. St. John chapter six, verse 48, 51. I am the bread of life. And your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and they are dead. It means that they did not survive, of course. And this is the bread which came down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And if any man eateth this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He said in the Old Testament, which they were very well aware of that, that God sent manna down from heaven. And he said, your fathers ate this bread, but they all died. But he said, now then, I am the living bread that my father has sent down. And if any man will eat of me, he will never die. So now then, welcome to class. There are two types of eating for the believer. Two types of eating by the sheep, I'll call them. And remember, he's talking about you. Verse 53, 54, and 58 in this same chapter is a word called phagos. The verb is phagian, but it's phagos. And phagos means once and for all to be satisfied, 
I'm full. The buttons are busting off my shirt full. Phagos was a word, it means once and for all. When the Greeks got a hold of this word, it means to persuade the palate. And that's very important. So that phagos was a term that Jesus said, there's two types of eating involved in John 6. If you're not aware of this, it would behoove you to write things down or take pictures. Because the first eating in verse 53, 54, and 58, he said, if any man eat of me and do this and eat of that and eat of that and do that. And so you think it's all the same word and it's not. He said, if any man will eat of me, he will live because I am the living bread that of my father. And if any man eat of me, which is the living bread, then he will live forever and never die. Phagos, once and for all. And so the scripture that goes with Phagos is basically Ephesians 2 and 8. And, and, this, is, and this creates as us sheep that we're full. We, by grace are you saved, by faith. And it's not of yourself, lest any man will boast. So here's the deal. If you ever get a little coagulated, this is our go-to diet. I am saved by grace. Haris is a word. If you're not aware of this, it's spelled charis, but it's haris. It means that the superior renders to the inferior. The king has it all and the peasants have nothing. So the king in his goodness he gives everything that the, the servants of the people need. And that's where the apostle Paul, it was a political term before it was a religious term. And he said, so by God's grace or his haris, he gives us everything that we need in this life. Salvation, sanctification, whatever it may be. He has it all. We have nothing. And when you figure out that you're not such of a big deal, that you are coming to this world bankrupt, but he said in Matthew 5, Blessed are you that are poor in spirit. You're bankrupt because I'm about to give you the kingdom of heaven. But when you come to God and say, well, I'll bet you one thing. I went to Bible school. I went to church and I bet you'll be glad to have me. I'll get your, go to the back of the line, you know. So this word eat, it means once and for all. Here's, here's, the, here's the topic. I am saved by his grace. I didn't do anything to deserve it. The Bible says that we were dead in trespasses and sin, Ephesians. Somebody said, well, I, I, I decided one day and I said, God, I want you to come in alive. What can dead people say? This is not on. Hello. Unfortunately, I'm going to one today, but how many funerals have you been to and that person in that casket got up and started talking to you? Dead people don't say anything. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We didn't have the ability to cry out to God. We didn't have the, the unction to cry out to God. But in his mercy and his grace, he called us into his kingdom. Man, what a privilege. Now, if you don't believe that, just go and read St. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. You'll figure out it was all him. So now then, this means I'm saved by grace. That, that is a once and for all. And, and, and when I say the, the Greeks got it, we got to go. But the Greeks got it. 
It, it means to persuade the palate. It means they taught them to be particular in their eating. So uh, I'll give you this. Remember Jesus in the temptation? And, 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 and remember, he, he talks about, he said he was hungry. It's a word called panel. You don't know that. Well, you, some of you do. But he said, I am hungry. And, and the enemy said, well, why don't you do this? He said, even though that I am hungry, but you know what? I am picky in what I eat, and I'm not going to eat anything off your menu, knucklehead. Have you ever got home and said, I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. And Gayla said, I'm glad because I just bought a horse. You know, there's some things. I mean, I'm hungry. I've been hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. I've been hungry. Jesus said, I'm hungry. The Bible said he was hungry 40 days. I can't go 40 minutes. And after 40 days, he was hungry. And so when he was hungry, the enemy come to him and said, why don't you cast these stones of bread? Why don't you just jump off the pinnacle? Why don't you just fall down and worship me? And he said that even though I'm hungry, but I am not willing to order anything off your menu that you're suggesting, I think I'll just wait and eat angels' food. And the angels showed up a little bit later. I'm, I, I have a picky palate. So even though I'm hungry, so I come home and I say, I'm starving. Well, we should go. Well, we're having goat gizzards and, and, and chicken livers. And I said, I'm just not that hungry. <laughs> to persuade the palate. I'm here to persuade your palate. Here's the question. What do goats eat? I said, what do goats eat? Thank you. Thank you. Shoes, tin cans. Car tops, rubber tires, tree bark. They'll climb in branches. They eat flowers, shrubs. It don't matter. Goats will eat anything. I'm trying to tell you, if you're a sheep and not a goat, we need to persuade your palate that that is not who you are. And even though that goat over there is having a heyday out of somebody's dumpster, that's not you. Quit eating out of that trash can. That's not who you are. And you may say, well, the church I went to before allowed me to do that. Then go back to them if they're still in business. Persuade the palate. We are sheep. And number two, verse 55 and 57, trogos. And trogos which is a Greek word in the verb is trojan, but trogos means, it means to, and here's me, to constantly snack, munch on, or nibble. I eat all day long. I do. It's pathetic. So to make me full in my spirit, man, can y'all stay with me five minutes, please? I, I got somewhere to go. And if you're not, you got to stay anyway. Good. Ephesians 2 and 8, I'm saved by his grace. I didn't do anything to deserve it. I'm saved. And that makes me full. But now then, all day long, I want to I snack on Proverbs and I want to snack on Psalms and Man, I, I like to eat parables in the middle of the night with a little bit of milk, and I just like the whole Bible. I snack on it. I constantly munch on scriptures. I'm already full. I'm, 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 I'm not trying to disprove the grace of God that has saved me. I'm just telling you because I can't disprove that. So I'm full and satisfied in that area, but, but you know what? The scripture is full to tell me how to be a better man how to be a better husband, yeah. 
how to be a better father, how to be a better Christian. The scripture tells me who not to loan money to. Sorry about that, uh, Jeremy. And, 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 and how shall I behave at work? And, and, and how do I deal with people that are unreasonable? See, I snack on this all the time. And, and I'm not really that smart. I'm, I made horrible grades in school, but I learned to snack on his word and snack on his word and I nibble on and I found truth all through the scriptures. There's only one thing that satisfies me is to know that I've been saved by grace, but I, I like to snack all day long. I get on cruise ships. I just snack all day long on biblical principles. I do. I think about it. So here's the idea. We got to go home. Somebody said, thank God. John 6, verse 57. Let's quit. And the living father has sent me and I live by the Father, and he that eateth me shall live by me. Now, don't, don't turn that off. As the living Father, Zoe, as the Father is alive, as the Father is alive, Brad, Jesus said, I'm alive. Woo, Zoe, no clogged arteries here. I'm trying to rotor root the same as a God and the Pentecostal holiness and the Baptist and the method. I'm trying to rotor root your veins with a big old machine called the scriptures because I want you to know Christ in, in, in a way that, that he knew his father and he refused to let the religious people to cause his heart to become slow. So he, Jesus said, I'm alive and I'm living because I eat of my father and you're alive because you eat of me. We eat. We don't. I do. We eat of fruits and vegetables. What's good? Animals that are alive. I eat fruits and vegetables because they are living. Because inside, <laughs> here, Adam, you want? <laughs> I eat something like this because it's living, and because it's living, it has nutrients and vitamins, and the oxidants. It has everything to help me produce life in me. Jesus said, my father is a living father. He's full of life and I eat of him. And because I eat of him, his life is ingested into my life and it causes me to be alive. And if any man will eat of me, he will become living because of my father. It's not alive. It looks good, it's perfect. 
perfect in shape and perfect in color, but it never was alive. Your church doctrine never was alive. Your denomination never was alive. So they lied to you and they said, well, we'll teach you how to prepare this thing. We'll offer classes on how to cook it, boil it, barbecue it, blend it. We'll get it down you somehow. But even if I could, and I probably could, take this thing apart and put barbecue sauce on it and get it in me, I will die before long because there's no life in it. You can pull up all this carpet and boil it and season it with salt and pepper and eat every bit of it. Your belly will be sticking out, but you'll die before long. Why? Because there's no life in it. Some of you this morning, you've spent your whole life pursuing this. And that's the reason why that our veins are clogged and we, we are barely functioning in life because there was no life that we have ingested that would help our spirit man grow. There's only one thing that will help your spirit man grow is to eat of the living Christ because he has eaten of the living Father. So this morning, to his sheep, which are you, I'm going to feed you a steady diet plus all the snacks you want of God's Word. Because it is recorded in John chapter 14 and verse 6, it says this, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am Zoe. I'm the life. Father, this morning that we live in an age and a place and a time that we have substituted the genuine life of a living God and we substituted for cheap trinkets. We've exchanged the Spirit of God and the life of Christ and the Scriptures concerning your Holy Son and we have substituted that and inserted empty doctrines, false teachings, plastic plants, paper fruit. And we faked it through the years, but we've come to a place in our life where we feel like that we're so malnourished that there's not much life left in us. And I pray this morning from a simple prayer that we would eat of the life of Christ because he is alive because he is eating of the Father, and the Father is the one that produces life. So simply, this is how we do this this morning, Father, that we just eat of your word. Your word is alive. 
The scriptures are alive. It's true. Your word says in Hebrews 4 that the word of God is quick and alive. It's powerful. And once it gets into our system, it begins to rearrange and, and remove and cut out things that, that doesn't belong in our life. For every home that's under attack, for every marriage that's under assault, for every mind that's being bombarded with all types of guilt and shame. I just come against that this morning. Some of you may say that I've, I've tried counseling, I've tried reading books, and, and I understand, but you're, you're eating plastic plants. You're not a goat. You're God's lamb. You're God's sheep. And sheep eats his words. Jesus said, the words that I've been speaking to you, they are spirit and they are life. So Father, this morning for everyone that is struggling here today, the answer is very simple. For every body that's being attacked, for every mind that's being assaulted, for every marriage that's under bombardment of hate and hateful words, it can be found in the living word of God. Let your word find a lodging place that it will burn and consume everything in my heart and mind that does not belong there. Unforgiveness, pornography, hateful words, rage, gossip, all these things that seem to find their way into our heart and mind, but your word is the thing when it is spoken, it will burn and consume everything that doesn't need to be there. Would you speak to us this morning, Father? Would you just speak to us this morning through your word and your scriptures? Your prophet of old David said that if I could just hide your word in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Would you just allow us to hear one more time as your sheep, your voice, through your written word, and we will follow you. You may be here this morning, you've never ever made a personal commitment to Christ, and I understand because maybe you've never heard his voice. But if somehow in the quarters of your heart today that you feel this voice that is calling you, he's always carefully been watching over you, then maybe today you'll respond and say, yes, I believe. Do I believe to get born again or is it that I'm born again already and that's why I believe? God has always known you. So Father, wherever we go and whatever we do, help us to be careful, to honor you, to eat of Christ, that we will be living and we will produce life wherever we go in Jesus' name. And all the sheep of his pasture said, Amen.
Hey, let's stand and give the Lord a praise offering, if you would, please. Huh? God is good this morning. Communion service, please come. We celebrate if you're visiting here. We celebrate communion every week. It's a reminder of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. Now, some of you, and I say this quite often because we have visitors, but you, you deserve an explanation. So here I'm going to expound this thing. The Apostle Paul said, dealing with communion, that let a man examine himself. And, and if any man taketh this cup or this bread unworthily, he's heaping damnation upon himself. So in the Assembly of God church that I grew up in, my goodness, if I had any sin or if I did anything wrong during the week, and that was every day ended in why, if you took it, that God's going to get me. But now then we are, we are aware of what the word means. If any man takes this cup of bread unworthily, it means anaxios, it means your own worth. If any man takes the Holy Communion in your own worth, then you're separating yourself from God. There's only one that's worthy, and it's King Jesus. So Father, this morning, once again, that we have an opportunity as sheep of your pasture, we're going to follow you and we're going to obey because you've commanded us to celebrate Holy Communion. You told us to. And we are not going to be like the former that did not obey you because we do not belong to you. We celebrate Holy Communion because we have heard your voice and we are going to obey you. And I pray somehow as the two to the road to Emmaus that when they broke bread, that their eyes were open and they really saw the risen Christ. That is my prayer for this congregation. That I've done my job to expound the scriptures. Now, Father, you're going to have to do what only that you can do. Open their eyes. Unclog the arteries of their spiritual heart. that they will see you in a way they've never seen you before. Bless this cup, bless this bread. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.